0: It is Memorial Day, but I have to confess to you, uh, in the course of this week, uh, my emotions have been all over the place, as I'm sure yours have been as well. Feelings of anger and sadness, compassion, in the midst of the news that came to us from Uvalde, Texas. News that seems to just continue week after week in our country, and uh, I'm sure that all of us uh, Besides our thoughts and our prayers, we want to do something about that uh, to end that kind of violence in our country. It's a violent world that we're living in. I suppose Memorial Day uh, even reminds us of that and reminds us of our responsibilities both as Christians and as uh, citizens. Will you bow your heads with me just for a moment? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts, Lord, be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer, amen. Well, today we do remember uh, and honor those who have fought for our country and particularly uh, those who didn't return. Consider the fact for just a moment that uh, 78% of all Americans today were not even out of elementary school uh, by the end of uh, the Vietnam War. And only 2% of Americans living today uh, were out of elementary school by the end of World War II. Most Americans alive today have never experienced a worldwide conflict. Most Americans today have never experienced the sadness of a family member going off to war, and never experienced the anguish of receiving the news the President of the United States regrets to inform you. And yet, even though uh, many of us were not uh, yet born during the significant wars that have plagued our country, we all, all must remember today. And that's what Memorial Day is all about, remembering. Remembering those who served, those who paid the ultimate sacrifice and fell in defense of their country, our country. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. There are some people who would suggest uh, to us today that Memorial Day is outmoded. That it's a religious observation that should no longer be practiced. That the time for remembering the sacrifices made in wars long since uh, past is no more, and that we should instead get on, get on with, with, with other things. Some would even suggest that Memorial Day glorifies war and encourages people to think that, uh, that uh, it's acceptable, that to die for one's country is a good thing. And so they say, don't do this. Don't remember. Do something else. Speak about the horror of war and proclaim that God is against all violence and against all forms of man's inhumanity to man. And that may be true, but it misses the point of Memorial Day. It equates the act of remembering with the sacrifices made by the servicemen and women of our country uh, with a glorification of, of war and suffering considers honoring the memory of those who have died with honoring the kinds of actions that became necessary um, for them to take uh, in the midst of a, of a struggle that in the end, none of them really wanted to be a part of, but believed that they must in order uh, that others might live and live in freedom in order that we might all uh, enjoy the peace that uh, I believe God intends for all of us. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. My uh, grandfather served as a combat engineer in World War I. My wife, Medora's grandfather, in the 1st Infantry Division, the Big Red One, in the trenches of France and Germany during that same war. My dad in the Army Quartermaster's Corps, Quartermaster Corps. My wife, Medora's uh, stepfather, uh, serving in the Navy, captured in Corregidor, spent three years as a prisoner of war in Japan. A cousin I grew up with, uh, 11th Armored Cavalry Division in Vietnam and Cambodia, uncles who served in the jungles of New Guinea and island hopped in the islands of the South Pacific. And now I have a son with 60 air medical evacuation combat missions into Iraq, and he's currently deployed in Kuwait today. Pastor Steve's brother gave up his life as a member of the uh, United States Air Force killed in the line of duty. Some things are hard to talk about even when you remember them. And I have listened over the years to these ones, these loved ones and, uh, that I just mentioned, and, and other veterans talk about their wartime experiences, World Wars I and Two, and Korea and Vietnam and the Gulf War, the war on terror. And what they talked about, uh, it was not so much their war experiences, they talked about that port liberty where they were all about three sheets in the wind and had to hold each other up in order to get back to the ship. What they talked about were the, the beautiful French girls and the German Froy What they talked about were the sea rations that they heated on the radiator of their Jeep and the monsoon rains diluting their coffee down in the Mekong Delta. What they talked about were the practical jokes that they played on their buddies and shopping for souvenirs and pogey bait in the PX at Balad. Aside from these things, uh, there was little said about the war. What they really remembered best, they didn't speak of. It's really hard to talk about the details of what happened, the real costs, how your comrades died how fear gripped your heart, how your parents and your brothers and your sisters and your friends paid the cost of waiting anxiously at home, how your own minds and hearts were affected and would never be the same again. The important memories, for the most part, are the silent ones, memories that are not talked about because of the pain in them and because they are almost impossible to share with someone who was not there with you. But the memories are there, and you do remember, mostly in silence, but sometimes aloud when when the mood is right. It's not necessary that you share your memories aloud with us, but it is important that we who were not there understand just what was done for us. It's important too that uh, you who were there and uh, you who fought and those of you who served here while friends died across the seas feel that what happened was worthy of their sacrifice, that it made a difference, and that those who sacrificed are honored and remembered. The scriptures call us to take a a look at the examples of the faithful and to honor them by remembering them and what they did and to be more like them and to keep faith with them and to hold high the torch that, that they carried. So we're here to remember. And it is hard to talk about what we remember, but remember we do. Both those of you who are there and And those of us who were not. There was a couple that I uh, remember well in the last military uh, chapel that I served down at Fort Sam Houston, Texas. Dr. and and Mrs. Sidney Brockman. They were an elderly, retired military couple, but they continued to serve with tireless uh, vigor. We had a lot of. military retirees attending our military chapels stateside here, and these were a couple of them. Um, They were the ones that I would call upon when there was a difficult task or project to get organized. And after Dr. Brockman uh, passed away, Jane, his wife, carried on for the both of them. When my chaplain's assistant left the army uh, to prepare for the ministry himself, Mrs. Brockman Helped to pay his way through seminary. One day, Jane, that was her name, one day she, she stopped by my office and she, she stare, shared a story with me about her Sydney, as she called him, her Sydney. Chaplain, did I ever tell you about the, uh, the day that Charles Coralt called Sydney on the phone? No, I said, you'll have to tell me about it. And she went on to tell me how Dr. Brockman had been captured in North Africa by uh, the Germans and spent several years as a um, POW in a German uh, prisoner of war camp at Furstenberg on the Oder in Germany. Back in the spring of 1988, when Charles Kuralt, uh, the newsman, was in Moscow to cover the Reagan-Gorbachev summit, a former Russian officer who uh, had been a prisoner of war in that same POW camp, uh, came to see Kuralt at his hotel, and wanted uh, Kuralt to look up some fellow prisoners who were Americans. The Russian uh, POW was Dr. Nikita Zakharovich Asayev, who had been a dentist in the Russian army during the Second World War. And the story is in Charles uh, Kuralt's uh, book, Uh, A life on the road. In the Stalag, the Americans and the Russians were segregated in separate parts of the camp with an eight-meter-high fence in between them. Dr. Brockman and Dr. Asayev, a physician and a dentist, uh, were allowed to pass back and forth to both sides uh, to treat Russians and Americans alike. Working together, Dr. Brockman noticed the terrible condition of the Russian prisoners. While the Americans were each receiving a five-kilo package almost weekly from the Red Cross, um, the Russians were existing, subsisting on uh, a liter of water and a liter of turnip soup uh, a day. Twenty-five 1,000 men died in that stalag during the war. And the Americans, through Dr. Dr. Brockman, heard about the plight of the Russians, and they organized a a dangerous plan to help. They waited until the sentry had passed at night, and they began to throw parcels over the fence. They could have been shot for just being outside the barracks at at night, let alone being involved um, in a conspiracy uh, such as this one. On one night, they threw 1,350 parcels over the fence, and the plan went on for three months before they were caught. Fortunately, they were not shot, but they were divided up and sent to different uh, POW camps. And the memory of the generosity uh, and the risk that the Americans had taken it stuck in Dr. Asayev's mind. and His gratitude had stayed with him, over the years. And now, with the opportunity to get a message of thanksgiving to those who helped through this American newsman, Dr. Esayev pushed his way past the KGB guards uh, to get into the hotel to see Karalt. Later, Karalt was able to organize a reunion between these two men and others who were involved in this uh, life-giving plot. Greater love, has no one than this, that they lay down their life for their friends. We all must remember you who fought for us overseas, who flew through the flax-filled skies of of Germany, who waded through the mud of Italy, who sailed the mine-laden seas of the South Pacific, stormed the beaches of Guadalcanal and Leyte, Saipan, Tinian, Iwo Jima, endured the harsh winter of Korea, the booby trap jungles of Vietnam, patrolled the dusty streets of Baghdad, and Mosul, to Crete, Al-Anbar, and Kabul, not knowing what ambush awaited at the next corner. Greater love has no one than this, that they lay down their life for their friends. To love in the sense that uh, Jesus speaks of in our scripture is freely to put the interest of others before our own for the sake of the other's welfare. Somewhere we need to remember that, especially when we see school children suffering the way they have this week, suffering because of the lack of concern for their safety and welfare. Love is not just warm feelings. Love is not something um, not giving something to to others for the sake of getting something in return. When Jesus said that the greatest love is to lay down your life for your friends he's saying that greatest love puts no ceiling on what it's prepared to give for the sake of others. All other forms of love, the kinds with which we're most familiar are mixed with uh, earthbound self-interest. But greatest love sets aside uh, self-interest and is ready to lay down its life for those who are loved. My rights become insignificant when the very lives of others is on the line. Memorial Day is, is, is not just a time to remember those who fought, those who died. Still less is it a time that war be thought of as good or honorable Rather, it's a time when we recall those who gave themselves for us. To remember just why they did what they did. A time to take up a torch and once more dedicate ourselves anew to living uh, in such a way that we don't break faith with those who died to bring peace to our world. A time to, in fact, remember the horror of war, and vow ourselves to rid the world of it, to struggle against the very things that lead to war in the first place. For me, the uh, spirit that underlies Memorial Days is probably best found in the words of the poet John McRae, I think you're familiar with them, in Flanders Fields. The poppies grow between the crosses row on row that mark our place. And in the sky, the larks still bravely singing, flies scarce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead. Short days ago, we lived. Felt dawn. Saw a sunset glow. Loved and were loved. And now we lie in Flanders fields. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from failing hands we throw the torch. Be yours to hold it high. If you break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep. In Flanders fields. Though poppies grow. Let's, uh, let's pray that those who served and those who died will continue to be honored and that we may be able to hold high the torch that they can no longer carry. I'd like to close with a prayer that uh, was found by a nurse in a a field hospital toward the close of of the war, found in a field hospital in the Philippines at the close of the Second World War. It's a different kind of prayer. I don't know how orthodox it is, but it seems appropriate, so I'd like to pray it with you. Will you pray with me? Let them in, Peter. They are very tired. Give them couches where the angels sleep. Let them wake whole again to new dawns, fired by the sun, not wartime's bloody guns. And may their peace be deep. Remember where the broken bodies lie. God knows how young they were to have to die. So give them things they like. Let them make some noise. Give swing bands and dance hall bands, not golden harps to these, our kids. Let them love Peter, but they've had no time. They should have trees and bird songs and hills to climb, the taste of summer and a ripened pear and girls sweet as meadow wind and flowing hair. And tell them how they are missed. But say not to fear. It's going to be all right with us down here. Let them in, Peter. Let them in.